0: Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. So today we're concluding our series, Family on Mission, where we've been working our way through the book of Ruth, and the story is unfolded with a family living um, where out the purposes and plans of God for them they made some good choices they made some not so good choices and we see that as they submitted to God and to his ways he even took their mistakes and forgave them and made it look like it was part of his plan all along I don't know how God does that I just know that he does it's like Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 being worked out in people's lives which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways submit to him and he'll make your path straight. When we submit to him in all of our ways, when we bring even our mistakes under the control and lordship of Jesus, he works through it somehow to make it look like it was all part of his plan anyway. Now that doesn't give us a license to do what we please, but it gives us a cause to worship the sovereign God. So let's remind ourselves of some of the choices that they made. In chapter 1, Elimelech and Naomi made a bad choice to leave what God had given them and to take matters into their own hands. And the results were disastrous. Later in chapter 1, Ruth chooses covenant commitment to God and to Naomi with no observable benefits to herself And yet God's at work in that. Later on in chapter 1, Naomi, having lost her husband and her two sons, chooses to return to Bethlehem, the house of bread, and Judah, the land of praise, to the place and people that God wanted her to be with all along. A better choice. Chapter 2, Ruth makes the choice to go and glean in the fields that belongs to Boaz. She doesn't know she's choosing to go and glean in the fields that belongs to Boaz. She just goes to a field and as it happens... She ends up to be exactly where she needs to be. God overrules in that as it happens situations where you just make a choice and somehow you end up in the right place at the right time with the right people to take God's purpose forward for you chapter 3, Ruth deliberately chooses to be at the feet of the Redeemer. It's a good place to choose to be at the feet of Jesus. She chose to be at the feet of the kinsman Redeemer Boaz, the great Redeemer Jesus. As we place ourselves at his feet and trust him, then the story unfolds for our good. And then in chapter 4, we'll see some of the wise choices to see the Redeemer at work on their behalf uh, that they made took place so Ruth chapter 4 we're going to read the first 10 verses if you have your bible with you perhaps you want to follow it I'm reading from the new international version this morning Um, if you just want to listen in then uh, I promise to read what it actually says here so meanwhile Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down and there just as the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along and Boaz said come over here my friend and sit down So he went over and sat down. And Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, or the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you'll redeem it, do so. But if not, tell me. So I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I'm next in line. I'll redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moor the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I can't redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it for yourself. I can't do it. Now, in the early times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of a property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders of the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property that belonged to Elimelap, Kilon, and Mylon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Mylon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from our family or from this hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Boaz, the Redeemer, was active on Ruth's behalf. God had set it up in his law that if a family fell into trouble financially, someone else from the family could buy their property, which they received as part of their inheritance from God, give them the money to sort out all financial needs. And so that's what this kinsman redeemer who was closer related to Elimelech, it was how close you were related, came in order. He had the opportunity to do it. Boaz was making this him aware of this. Boaz was active on Ruth's behalf even though she didn't know it. Jesus is active on her behalf even when we don't know it. We can be at rest Because he is active. Boaz explained to Ruth in chapter three that there was another relative closer in line to Naomi than he was who could buy the land and take responsibility for the family. This other person had first refusal. Boaz didn't really care about the land. This is the secret. He wanted to marry Ruth. He was interested in Ruth. But he had to take his responsibility of buying the land. So he would do that In order to have the opportunity to marry the woman that he'd fallen in love with, it's a culture we're not familiar with, but he had to then go and say to this other man, Would you like to buy this land? Have you noticed in the thing, he never mentions Ruth? Do you want to buy this land? Uh, There's an opportunity for a bit of a business proposition here. Do you want to buy the land? And the kinsman redeemer thinks, oh, business opportunity. Acquire a little bit more property. Yes, I'd love to. And Boaz is like, what a disaster. My world's fallen apart. Because if you buy the land, you have to take on responsibility for providing for Ruth, which means I can't marry her. And so he says, oh, by the way, now he begins to get to why he's really come to see them. On the day you buy that land, you take Responsibility for Ruth. I can imagine all the other elders going, Ruth. (laughs) Oh, 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 in that case, in that case, I can't take responsibility for the land, Ruth. You'd better take responsibility for the land and Ruth. And the relief on Boaz's face must have been incredible. Because he was not interested, I don't think, in the land. He doesn't care about that. The other relative, the penny finally drops. Ah, Ruth. That's why you're here. The elders already knew that. They'd sussed that long ago as we'd see. So Boaz pays the redemption To deal with the debt so that he can marry the woman he loves. Our redeemer paid our debt that we couldn't pay. The debt of sin, the debt that we owe to God for our punishment. We could not pay that debt. And he paid it, not just to justify some legal transaction, but because he'd fallen in love with you. 1 Peter one, eighteen and 19 says, For you know that it's not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The church is called the bride of Christ and he purchased, he paid our debt so that we could become his bride. It's a picture in Ruth of the kinsman redeemer paying the debt so that Ruth could become his bride. Jesus pays our debt so that we can become his bride. We couldn't earn or deserve that. I hope that sinks in this morning. You are valuable. Jesus didn't just pay money for you. He paid his own blood for you. He gave his life for you. He paid the cross for you. And like Boaz had fallen in love with Ruth and that love moved him towards that level of payment, Jesus is in love with you. And it's that love, not some religious devotion, but that love that has motivated him to pay that price. When Boaz buys the land and deals with the debt, he takes on the responsibility of the family, And the elders at the gate pronounce a blessing, verses 11 and 12. It says this. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah. May you become famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez who Tamar bore to Judah. So a legal transaction has taken place. Just a side note here. The story of Ruth, as we've said, was read every Pentecost at harvest because it's a book of harvest. The book of Ruth must have been written down sometime after it took place because the writer has to tell us for a transaction to become final, there has to be this transfer of a shoe, which is a symbol of your standing on the land. Every place you place your foot, God says to Joshua, will be yours. So this shoe is a symbol of you, place your foot here, it belongs to you, I'm giving it where I put my foot, I'm giving it to you. We has to explain that to them, it's a little bit later on, than, not a lot later on as we'll see in a minute, but a little bit later on, he's written it down. Notice in this blessing, which is a blessing about a transaction of buying land, that there is no mention whatsoever of the land. He just they just see right beyond all the give me the land, I need to buy the land and take care of my responsibility. They know that it's Ruth that he wants. And all of the blessing is about Ruth. May God bless you through this woman. May your family be blessed. May your offspring be blessed. May you be blessed in Bethlehem. May your offspring. Hold this thought. May your offspring make you famous in Bethlehem. Wow. Talk about a prophetic blessing. Ruth had made a covenant commitment to Naomi. Do you remember when Naomi was trying to change her name to Mara? I'm just a bitter old woman, she was saying. Call me Mara. Ruth says, Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my my God. May God deal with me be it ever so severely if anything but death separates you from me. Ruth one sixteen to seventeen. She's committed to God and to Ruth uh, to Naomi when there is no visible signs of benefit to her whatsoever. And she gets every blessing she could possibly have imagined. We don't commit ourselves to Jesus for the blessings. But when you commit yourself to Jesus, he blesses you. We don't follow Jesus for what we can get out of it. We don't put him first so that he gives us all the other things. But if you put him first, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else, everything else you need... He will provide everything that you need. He will provide. The Redeemer is active on your behalf. We may not always see it. It may take a little while to happen. But our choices put us in the place where God can do that. When I was 18, I wanted to go to a communist country because I, found, I thought that would be the hardest place to be a witness for Jesus. So I thought, I want to go to a communist country. Then. That's where I want to go. So I inquired about how can I get into a communist country at the age of 18. Um, apart from joining the communist party, it's a little tricky. So particularly if you want to go as a missionary. So I inquired, how can I get to a- any communist country at the age of 18 and the two doors that were open to me were I could go to Yugoslavia which was not necessarily as, as harsh as some of the others or I could go to Poland which was more harsh than Yugoslavia, you get an insight into the way I thought and probably still do so I thought, Poland it is then I'm going to Poland so I signed up, I signed up I'm going. 18 years of age, I'm old enough can make my own decisions, I'm going to Poland Um, The problem was, there were riots breaking out in Poland in 1984, because people were trying to overthrow communism. The Solidarity Movement was gaining ground, like Vlawanza, those of you who remember, was quite an influential character at the time. And it was deemed unsafe to send the team in. So I got this letter saying, really sorry, thank you for your interest in being on our team in Poland, we're not going. I'm thinking, it's the ideal time to go. Why are we not going? I couldn't get my head around it. It's dangerous. Of course it's dangerous. What do you think I signed up? (laughs) I want to go. They said, we will offer you Yugoslavia. So I thought, well, at least it's a communist country. No, it's, it's not as challenging as there, but it's a communist country. I'll go to Yugoslavia. So I signed up. Reluctantly, I'll go to Yugoslavia. I'll go to Yugoslavia. It just so happened that in Whitehaven someone was thinking, I'd love to go to a communist country. I'd love to go somewhere overseas to serve Jesus. Actually, they wanted to go somewhere a bit further than that for a lot longer than that. (laughs) Yes. So Jackie wanted to go to China. So I wanted to go to Poland or Russia and she wanted to go to China. But she couldn't get into those countries. But they offered her Yugoslavia. Well, they didn't. Because I was the grand old age of 18. And she was the mere child of 17. And they wouldn't let 17-year-olds on this team. So she wrote to them and said, Please, will you let me go to Yugoslavia? And they bent the rules. And so at the age of 17... Jackie went to Yugoslavia. I went at the age of 18. And just before I went, one of my friends took me to one side and said to me, you might meet a girl on your trip to Yugoslavia. And I rebuked him. <laughs> I said, what? I'm trying to lay my life down for Jesus. Jesus. And you're talking about meeting a girl. Get your act together. This isn't, there was an 18 to 30s holidays then. This isn't an 18 to th- I'm trying to lay my life down for Jesus. I'm not going looking for a date. Anyway, we arrive on this missions trip. And there was Jackie. And I thought, Hello. Oh, maybe (laughs) but Jackie walks a lot quicker than me if you ever see us walking if you ever see us walking out walking I am normally a considerable distance behind Jackie I walk at the pace of Abby me and Abby walk at the same pace Jackie walks a lot quicker more like Sam They're, they're a lot and I remember walking along on this team thinking if I can ever catch that girl I'd like to get to know her. The Bible studies at the time, when we were there, were on the book of Ruth. I didn't go thinking, I'm looking for the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I went thinking, how do I lay my life down for Jesus? And it just so happened that God arranged everything to get me to the point where I met Jackie. There is a photo. This is us on the way to Yugoslavia. This is Cologne. We stopped to do a mission trip in Cologne. Can you tell which one is Jackie? (laughs) The pigtails. In the middle. If you look for a pair of Adidas trainers' blue jeans... (laughs) Find a look and stick with it is my advice. (laughs) Then you'll find me. In fact I even have a stripy shirt like that still as well. Sam says I'm like a cartoon character, I basically have dressed the same for decades. Why am I showing you this? I'm showing you this because if you put God first just God. Just like forget the rest. Just put God first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Be as in love with him as you possibly can be. You will find that the just so happens in your life just fall into place. Again and again and again. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Sometimes painfully, sometimes not painfully. But God does Keep his word. We can move that picture on now. (laughs) The blessing over those, that couple, was that your offspring will be famous in Bethlehem. Let's just read the end of the book. Ruth chapter 4, verse. 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a grandchild, a guardian redeemer, rather. May you become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life to sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who, is, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. And Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amimadab. Amemadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. We said at the beginning of the book of Ruth that the names in Ruth are significant. Elimelech, my God is king. Naomi, pleasant. Mara, bitter. Obed is worshipper. The book starts in devastation and famine and it ends in promises kept and worship if you feel like your life at the moment is in devastation and famine seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you'll reach a plant where you'll find your life is in a place of promises fulfilled and worship. They were a family on mission, they were meant to be, but they became a family gone mission missing. Naomi had started off as pleasant, but went through a phase of being Mara, the bitter one. But God, using his people, softened her heart, and we see her at the end of the book, not as bitter old Mara, come near to me if you dare. You know those people? John Glass used to say, bless me if you dare stir. <laughs> they give you one of those looks, you know, try and bless me. She, She... Had changed from that to being a worshiper. Our God is sovereign. And when we trust Him, we are set free to become worshippers. But there's something really interesting I find in this list. I love the lists in the Bible, the lists of names, they're important. Obed grew up and he had a son called Jesse who in turn grew up and had a number of sons, but one of them was called David. David became a shepherd boy who slew Goliath, who became Israel's second king, who became the writer of the Psalms, many of them. He became a worshipper. His granddad was a worshipper, so he became a worshipper. The family of Naomi could have been defined by bitterness, blame, and disappointment, couldn't it? If you'd have stopped that story at a certain point and they'd have gone in a different direction, I wonder whether their grandchildren would have been worshippers or bitter mourners. I wonder. But because of the intervention of God and because of the partnering with that, the family trait that they passed on was not bitterness, and disappointment. The family traits that they're passed on that we see in the life of David is worship. There are family traits that we pass on. Have you noticed that? There are healthy ones and unhealthy ones. If we're truly going to be a family on mission, then we've got to pass on healthy family traits. And we've got to recognise the unhealthy family traits that are present in us from our families of origin or from our upbringing or experience. And we need to put those aside so that what we pass on recognize, can be recognised as a family on mission. What are we sowing into the life of those closest to us? Do we sow a fragmented life? Just live like the world around you and go to church. So our view really practical stuff our view on alcohol for example is important it's not okay to get drunk it's not it's not okay not even socially not even for fun it's just not okay it's not okay to sleep around it's just not okay it's not okay to take out your anger and your rage on your family it's not okay it's not okay to be jealous or critical or self-righteous. I'm more holy than everybody else. It's not okay. Now, that isn't being judgmental. That's just helping you to see they're not healthy family traits that pass through our line. When, if you see that in you, if your attitude to sex or money or power or, or alcohol or food or jealousy or self-righteousness doesn't line up with Scripture, you're not trapped in your family trait. You can change it. Paul talks about putting things off and putting things on. But don't just follow a way of life just because it's the way I've always lived. Or it's the way everybody else lives around me. Choose what you want to pass on to those around you. I, I'm, a, I'm a broken human being. <clears throat> I've got lots of faults. I am a work in progress. What i have wanting to pass on to my kids is this. God is gracious. If you put him first, he'll honour that decision. Be willing to say sorry. Keep communication open. There are things that are like intrinsic to who I am that I want to pass on. But we get to choose that. Naomi could have passed on, be bitter, be critical, be a Mara. But she allowed God to work in her life to such a degree that what she passed on was, be a worshipper. And she got a David. I wonder what you'll get if you choose to pass on, be a worshipper. I wonder what you'll get if you choose to pass on, be someone who blesses. I, choose, I wonder what you get if you choose to pass on, be someone who's pure. Be someone who walks with humility. What if we pass those things on? We almost give our next generations, and I don't just mean our physical kids, I mean those we're discipling as well. We give them an opportunity for our ceiling to be their floor so that they can go further than us. Why do they have to make the stupid mistakes we've made? Why don't we just help them to not make those, make their own, but at least they'll be further on than we are. Paul says of Timothy, I'm reminded of the sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and then lived in your mother, Eunice, and now, I'm persuaded, lives in you. What a great family trait. Sincere faith in your grandmother. She had sincere faith in God, and your mum did as well, and now you do. Timothy becomes the leader of the Ephesian church that's planting churches all around Asia. But it started with his grandmother saying, I'm going to have a sincere faith. And his mum saying, me too. What about those we're discipling? What about those we're leading to Jesus? I'm going to have a sincere faith. Yeah, me too. Who knows that when you get to the third generation, they might be seeing thousands of people one for Jesus. But it starts with us making those choices. I know time's going to beat me if I don't move on, but there's so much more I wanted to say there. Right, exciting this. We're going to look at another list. Calm down. It's in Matthew. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter one, because we have sort of a list of Boaz's dad and stuff like that. But Matthew gives us an enlarged list. So it says in Matthew 1, verses 3 to 6, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, is this sounding familiar? Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salom, Salom the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab? Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Ruth. Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed's father was Jesse. Jesse's father. Jesse, the father of King David. Boaz's mum was Rahab. So that means that Elimelech and Naomi were in living memory of the walls of Jericho falling. And they walked away from what God had given to them. It it makes me want to weep. that we could see God do something as amazing as the fall of the walls of Jericho, the crossing of the Jordan, to see him giving us his promises and within living memory say, no God, you can't do it now. There's a bit of a famine going on. We're off to Moab. How quickly. You know why it makes me weep? Once a week, it reminds me of me. How quickly we forget what God has done for us. How we need to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. How we need to remind ourselves that when he says he'll do something, he will do it, even if it looks like he won't. You can read Rahab's story if you've not read it in in Joshua 2 and Joshua 6. She She was a prostitute. She made her living by selling her body to other people for sex. And the people of Israel sent some spies into the land. They came to Jericho and she recognised something of God in them. And she hid them and she said, when you come into the land, remember me. And the people of Israel come in and remember the story. They walk around the walls of Jericho, they make a shout, the walls fall down. But it says that Rahab joined herself with them. She left her life of prostitution and she became a follower of God. she has a son called Boaz <laughs> He focuses on making money really doesn't get married till later in life he's just happy running the family business but then he meets Ruth who'd been an idol worshipper who turned away from that to serve God and if you follow that list of names all the way through you come to verses 15 and 16 We could read them all, but we'd probably better not. 15 says, Elihud was the father of Eliza. Eliza, the father of Matthan, Matthan the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, called the Messiah. In Matthew, you have the kingly line. In Luke, you have the bloodline from Mary. So you have the Matthew line. Joseph Jesus is the man who came to bring Jesus up but wasn't his physical dad because Jesus was born of a virgin but the kingly line that Jesus comes from Luke the bloodline through Mary the outsiders become integral parts of what God wants to do in people's lives and in his purpose of sending Jesus Jesus Romans 8.28, as I draw to a close, but we know that God works all things for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. It's one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. Dr. R.T. Kendall calls it the family secret. Not everybody knows this, but we know that God works all things together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. What is the good That God works. Because people don't read verse 29. They stop at verse 28. It just rounds it off nicely, doesn't it? But verse 29 tells us the good that God works. Which is this. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. Naomi does not become Mara. She's conformed to the image of Jesus. She becomes a worshipper. Ruth does not die as an idol worshipper. She chooses to follow Yahweh. She's conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Boaz does not live for his career and his expanding of his farming business. He becomes someone who cares for the poor and becomes more like Jesus. The good that God works is we become more like Jesus. And all the other stuff that we need to help get there, he'll ha- add to us. Last picture, please, if you would. Thanks, sir. That's where this all played out. They're the fields just outside Bethlehem. That's where Ruth met Boaz. I took that, that photo a number of years ago. May your offspring become famous in Bethlehem. <laughs> Who could that be? In those same fields, some time later, some angels appeared to some shepherds and said this Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests this isn't a fairy tale this didn't happen somewhere in a galaxy far far away this is history and it happened there and the God who says peace because he's in control the book of Ruth tells you nothing else, it tells you this God is in control, he's got you but you've got to put him first got to put him first but as you do you'll find that the peace of God can fill your heart and mind in Christ Jesus so I encourage you this morning place the full weight of your trust on the sovereign redeemer because he's active on your behalf he says things like this don't let your heart be troubled trust in me or believe in me believe in God, believe also in me. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.